Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Mem Gimel and Meseches Nazir, Freilichin Purim, Nishmas, as we always do, Rav Chaim Zdebin of Armar Alevi Malinowitz, and today, Leil Nishmas, my father, this year is his 31st Yurtzeit, Moshe Ben Mordechai Halevi. Okay, so we finished yesterday. Let's just go back a little tiny bit, three lines up from the bottom of Membeza Membeza. Right, there was a discussion, machlokas um, between Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef regarding what Rav Huna's position was about consecutive tuma contaminations. Clearly, our Mishnah holds that each consecutive tuma contamination is meaningful enough to be high of Doraisa, right? Because you get Malchus Doraisa for violating the Nazirus anew each time. It seems to imply that something halakhically meaningful is happening. In that context, then, like Rabbi held that consecutive touching of tuma would be one act. Right, but touching Tuma followed by Tumas Ohel would be two acts with two Malkas. This is confusing. And that's where we left off. The Gemara says that's confusing. Why would Tuma of touching followed by Tumas Ohel be any different than Tuma of touching followed by Tuma of touching? That doesn't make any sense. So if you answer, that's not that's not what Rabbah meant. That's where we left off. That what he meant was that Kanbabais Kanbasada. Right? That's what Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Uh, actually it's the last line of Mambezum Bez. What did that mean? So yesterday we didn't really explain it. It really means that walking into a house, lo yavo, has an additional iser, right? Because you have, because the Pasuk says, right, that lo yavo, kol yamei haziro la Hashem al nefesh meis lo yavo. Lo yavo is where we learn that you're not allowed to walk into a house, okay? So walking into a house uh, is, has an additional iser, and so, when you walk into someone's house, you may have two simultaneous superimposed tumas. Good morning, Barry. Barry's not down for any of this membez stuff. He's here for mem gimel. Just, I'm just explaining yesterday. It's great to see you, Barry, as always. So, you made my perm. Anyway, as opposed to, so what we were saying yesterday, we finished off the last line of membez membez, that lo yavo is two simultaneous superimposed tumas, says Rabbi Yochanan. As opposed to a sadeh, what it means by a bias versus sadeh is the bias, those are two together. Sadeh, what that means is just that without the benefit of an ohel, right, when you're in an open field, the only way that you'd have two simultaneous tumas is if you touch two corpses simultaneously, that's essentially only one act. And therefore, that's just one set of malkas. So that's what that means, bias versus sadeh. So wait a minute. So now we have two different simultaneous scenarios. And the Gemara now is going to ask, as we arrive at Gimel Aleph, it's going to ask, how is... So again, what Rabbi Yochanan is setting up is a walking into a house if you, 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 you take on two simultaneous tumas, right? Because there is the Pasuk of Lo Yavo. So first of all, you're becoming Tameh because just getting into the airspace of the house makes you Tameh. And secondly, you're entering into the house. But the question we have in the Gemara is, wait a minute, is the entrance into the house and the actual exposure to the tumma, as it were, really simultaneous. After all, as soon as any part of you enters the airspace of the house, you're Tameh. Those two things happen in two different times. When are you considered entering the house? Well, we already know when you're considered entering the house because we learned Maseches Nadarim. And we know that you have to be like Roshiv Rubo in someone's house. Or at some point, right, at what point are you considered entering to someone's house, Andrew? When you stick your pinky in, or when you're fully in. So you have to be mostly, at least, into the house. So basically, what happens is as follows. 
Uh, says the Gemara, as we arrive at Mem Gimel Nami. Wait a minute. How do you have simultaneous tumas in the house? That as soon as you're... So, so again, the threshold, it happens at two separate moments, not simultaneous moment. When do you become Tameh? You become Tameh as soon as any part of you, let's say your hand, enters the house first, right? However, when are you considered entering the house and taking on that second type of Tameh? Yeah, that second Tameh is only when he enters all the way. He's not considered to enter the house unless most of him is there. So how can a Nazir get the Tumah, right, be exposed to Tumah, and then also have the Isra of entering the house simultaneously? Remember, in order to have it superimposed, the way Yochanan set it up is that it has to be simultaneous. So this is, almost sounds like perm tire in a sense. Like, we're going to try to figure out physically how a person can get the Tumah Exposure in the house at the same exact time that he enters the house. That's the question. Okay. So, meaning he stuck his hand right. Um, uh, I'm sorry. So, so the Gemara is saying that if he stuck his hand out, then he's going to be exposed to the tumor. So again, if you stick your hand in your house, in arm or whatever into the house, so then you're going to get the tumor. But you're not going to get Bia, right? You've not, you will not be considered as if you entered it because you only stuck your hand in. However, if it's here, if Gufo, keep your hands at your sides and enter with your torso first, so his answer is, if you enter in with your hands at your side and kind of like jump into the house, Right, with your torso first, so then it's going to be simultaneous, Tuma and Bia. The, your, your entrance to the house will be simultaneous with your exposure to Tuma. Whatever the Gemara says, so, talking about Jews here, Andrew. The nose is always going to come into the house first, right? So I know it's racist, but Venachis like Tuma. But the point is that anatomically, even if you jump head first with your hands at your side into the house, your nose is going to become. Uh, is going to become Tameh before the rest of you becomes Tameh, and then, therefore, the, right, the Tumah exposure is technically taking place before your actual full entrance in the house, which is to say, this is not simultaneous, right? That even though it's bang-bang, right, it's one right after the other, you can't say that it's technically with a stopwatch not milliseconds apart, and it's actually simultaneous as it has to be, because after all, part of your body is going to enter first even that way. So, so what's going to be? So Rava says it's true, right, that, that he'd be chayef for being, becoming Tameh if he stuck his hand, but if he put his body, right, all right, if he put his body in first, by what? So what Rava meant was that when you stick your body in, turn your head back. In other words, now you're going to rock it into the house with your hands at your side and keep your head up so that your whole body comes in at the same time and your nose doesn't edge out the rest of your body, and that's and that's how you're going to accomplish having the tumma and the bia at the same time. Okay, so that's the case when you're when you're entering the house that way. So the Gemara says no. That's also the That's also the is the finger of your foot, otherwise known as your toe. 
Even when you do that, your toe is going to... Something's always going to enter first. Right? In other words, there's always going to be a part of your body that's going to enter first and become Tame before the rest, before most of you becomes Tame. And so any way you try to like wrap yourself up in cellophane and like go in like a mummy, any way you come in, it's, it's not going to work that your entrance into the house and your first exposure to the house will be simultaneous. And so there is no uh, realistic case. However, now this is where you have to think outside the box or inside the box, Andrew. Yeah. Going like a Trojan horse, Andrew. Go in like in a box or a carriage or a trunk or a closet. Now, this is an interesting thing. Uh, somebody's going to have to come and open this up. Remember, if you open it up and stick your hand out first, that may not help. There's going to have to be some sort of, right, far love is a maziva, uncover the roof of the carriage. Now you're exposed to the house and your body's entering, right, you're exposed and your body's entering at the same time because your entire body's already in the house. And then, then the tumma will be open. That's how the tumma and the via end up having, uh, being simultaneous because you came in and so long as the box was, box was closed, you were not considered exposed to the tumma of the house, nor are you considered as having entered the house. The, what's interesting here is there has to be some sort of, um, right, there, there has to be some sort of action on the part of the person uh, of the Nazir, assisting, this is what the Rush is saying, assisting in opening the box, because after all, he has to have some sort of action, right? If he's just laying passive in the box, like, uh, right, like, like pretending... That he's, a, that he's a corpse or something himself, so then he will have not done any action. So some sort of um, interplay there where he has to do some action, but be that as it may, uh, if you go in in a box and then open it up, that's how the Tuman Bia Bain Be'echad, or alternatively, says, Mar Bar Rav Ashi Amar, going to Ayel Kshuhu Goseis. Ah, so this is what happens. The Nazir, when he entered the house, there was no mace yet. He entered, the, the, right? The person died while he was in the house. Well, that works. Right, because simultaneously you will have entered the house of a person who was mates and you were exposed to the tumah. Now you didn't really enter the house, you were already in the house, but presumably that's already, uh, that also is an isser, um, that, that qualifies for the isser of uh, Bia into the house. Okay, so that's the case. He went in when he was gosays, v'nafak nishmaseh yasiv. yeah. And the soul, the part of the, of the mace departed adiyasiv while the nazar was sitting there. And that's how the Tum and the Via end up being simultaneously. Now, as an aside, it sounds Marbavashi is saying that what? That a Gosace is not going to be, uh, not going to make you Tame. That when does a person transmit Tumas Mace? Only when he dies. Well, that's, isn't that what we always say? That Tumas Mace is only when he dies? Well, that's a little bit of a machlokas. We learned the Bari said, Lehei Chalo. right? That, what's the Pasuk? That uh, that Okay, so so what? So bemosam. This is talking about how he cannot be right. The word lo. No, when it comes to a kohen, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Vayikra. Right. Thank you. Vayikra. Perak chaf aleph pasuk dalib. Lo itame baal beamav lehechalo. Kohen. It's talking about Kohanim. Right? We know the Kohen is not supposed to become Tameh. There's not a Nazir issue. That's a Kohen issue. A Kohen 
should not become Tameh, Lehechalo, right? Okay, Lehechalo means to become defiled, right? Profane. Okay, thank you, Barry. We have the Balkori here, it saves us every time. Okay, so Lehechalo means that the Kohen can't go in to profane himself. What does what becoming Tameh mean? Well, Atsha Shayamus. Sounds like you have to be you have to be dead in order to right, generate this profanity, this this tumo. How so? Because the hechalo, the rush explains, is lashon chalal. There we go, Barry. Lehechalo, well, it really means what to become profane. What does that really mean? How do you become so? So, if you equate it with the lashon chalal, chalal is something. It's called a corpse, basically, a person that's been slain. And a corpse is something atshashiyamus. You're only really considered a corpse once you're actually dead. That is the brisa. However, Rebbe Omer, the mosam itama. That's the pasuk I was reading before that Barry is pointing out. That is not in Vayikra at all, right? That is in Bamidbar Perik Vav, and it says So there you go. Those, that's the interplay. The hechalo sounds that you have to, like you have to already be a halal. However, over here it says, Rebbe Marbim Osami Tama, when they become dead, they cannot become Tame. Achiyomus. In other words, you're not, they're not, they don't transmit Tuma until they die. So, so the question is, right, which, what's the difference? The hechalo is you have to become a corpse to, to impart Tuma. Bimosam means you have to be dead to impart Tuma. So ask the mar, might be now. What would be the difference? Either way, it sounds like you can only impart tuma once you've passed away. You're right. There is no difference between lehechalo and bimosam. It's just, the halachically they both agree that you have to be fully dead in order to impart tuma. However, marshmallows dorshin. What is the source from which pasuk do you learn it? So that's the machlokas between right. Um, that is the machlokas between the Tanakama and Rebbe. Whether you learn it from the Hechala or Ber Mosam, that's the only machlokas, but the same, but the halacha is the same. Okay. Ishlakish Amar, no. Ishlakish says that the nafkami between the Hechala and Ber Mosam is not simply, right? He disagrees with Rabbi Yochanan. He says it's not simply what the source is, but rather, No, that this very case, the case of the Goses, right? The one who is on the verge of death. That would matter whether he can impart tuma based on how you learn the pasuk. Lemanda amar lehechalo, right? According to the Tanakhamu, says you learn from the pasuk lehechalo afilu goses. Wow, well, that's what the rush explains. Since you are already on the verge of death, that person is already considered a goner. A halal does not necessarily mean a mace, but a halal can mean like a slain person. A person who's already basically a corpse. Wow. And that's what Rish Lakish holds. However, according to Rebbe, who holds that the source is Bimosam, Achiyamus in Gosei Slow. And so we see that there's a machlokes, right? That where, uh, right, according to Rish Lakish, Rebbe holds that you have to actually die in order to impart Tuma. But Rebbe within Rish Lakish would hold that Gosei Slow. That a person who is on the throes of death is actually not going to impart tuma. Wow! And so it's con- therein lies the controversy as to whether a ghostess would impart tuma. If in fact you hold like Rebbe in, within Rish Lakish, so then this second idea of walking into the house when the guy is a ghostess 
wouldn't necessarily wa- uh, work, right? Because you already would be imparting tumah as a goseis, and then you'd have the same problem. Of course, you could walk in before he's a goseis, and then wait until he becomes a goseis and then dies, but that would be, that would be the, um, the way that that would work. However, the Gemara asks, now we're going to kick this around a little bit. If you're going to say, well, why do you hold of one or the other? In other words, why do we have both of these psukim? Now, according to, right, Rebbe, we understand why we have both psukim, right? At least within Reish Lakish, we understand it. It's teaching you two different things, right? But if you hold, right, that the Hechalo and Memosam is the same thing, so according to Tanakama, who learns from the Hechalo, so that's where it already imparts Tumah, so Hachsib Memosam. So why do you need uh, the Pasuk of Memosam? You already have the Pasuk of Memosam. Why do you need to learn from Hechalo? So we're going to kick this around and see from both sides why both psukim are necessary. So within the Tanakhama, once you have a Masam, why do you learn it from Mechalo? So answer the Gemara, Rebbe, well, for something else the Rebbe taught, the Tanya Rebbe, Omer, ben Mosam, ein metame, Rebbe taught a different thing, that that Pasuk has a drasha. The drasha says that when they are, when they are dead, then you can't, right, once a person is entirely dead, you, then the coin can't touch them. However, right, if they have tsaraz or zav or any other thing oozing out of them, he can, in fact, or again, this is while they're alive, that's a different kind of tumah. And tumah over there, right, would actually be, you, not, you would not be become metame from that, okay? You can, in fact, become tame from there, Nigasam and Zivasam, but you can't touch the, the uh, dead person, okay? According to Rebbe, right? So who holds that from Bermosam? So, Hami Baile Lahai Svara. Wait a minute. So, the Pasuk is still needed for teaching, right, a Nazir. A Nazir can contaminate with Sarah Ozav, right? So, in other words, how do you learn it? The Pasuk is needed to teach that concept. Okay, so again, we have the concept of a Nazir, and the Nazir can't become Tomei Tumas Mace. Can a Nazir become Tomei uh, Tumazav? Yes. So that's what we understand, that a Nazir can, in fact, become Tumazav, but, but a Kohen is not allowed to become Tomei at all. So the so Gemara says, Im Kain, Lema Mos. So now it's a separate uh, question, that if it's true that the Pasuk only teaches you Right, that you cannot have, right, that, that you, that you can in fact become Tomei from the Zav and the, and the Tsaras. So then, why does it say the word Bemosam? So why, it could have just said Bemos. So it says, Shmat Minatarti. Right, so the fact that it says Bemosam in that plural, that was added so you can learn what? Both halachas from the Pasuk. Namely, that a dying person will not transmit Tuma until he's dead, Bemoso, and that a Nazir can contract Tumah from Eitzaras or Zav. So again, um, one of the Psukim, as Barry is quick to point out, right, one of the Psukim has to do with a, an actual regular Kohen. And the other Pasuk, right, Lo Baal Be'amav, Lehechalo, is saying that a Kohen can't touch Lehechalo, a, a, dead, a dead person. But when it says, Lo Mosam, right, so, so there, we are actually um, going to apply that to a Nazir.
So now we're going to turn around, nine lines up from the bottom, and question from the other way of Rebbe, right? Why Why do you have to learn if you already have lehechalo? So the Gemara says, According to Rebbe, right, that teaches you that a coin, right, who's not halal, this we already saw yesterday, in other words, that the only way a Kohen can become Tame. The only time that a Kohen has the Isser becoming Tame is if he has not yet become Tame. However, remember yesterday we talked about a Kohen that was already Tame, let's say a Kohen's uh, right, holding a, a corpse over his shoulder, right? That case. So in that case, if the Kohen is holding a corpse over his shoulder, obviously he could touch a mace. That's what we learn from the Hechalo. In other words, right, from we, we learn that we can, that, that's why we have the extra language to teach you that once you already are Tameh, then you don't have the Isra as a Kohen of becoming Tameh, of touching more Tumah. However, the Gemara asks, okay, but according to the Tanakama, right, who says that when you actually become a mace that can impart Tumah, they learn that from the Hechalo. How can they learn that from the Hechalo? Don't they need to learn, then they need the Pasuk of the Hechalo to teach you, right, the concept that when you are, right, the whole Svara, that when you are already Tameh, you can uh, become, you can't touch uh, Tumah already, and that this Svara, that this Isser only applies to somebody who had not already become Tameh. So, so similarly to what they said before, the language could have been lehechal, my lehechalo, and the extra language of lehechalo teaches you that in fact the two, right, the two additional thing, the second additional thing rather I should say, that in addition to the fact that lehechalo is the source of the onset of Tuma, it's also the source of this lehechalo, the extra lehechal, uh, as opposed to lehechalo, the extra lo, at the end, on top of Lehechal, teaches you also additionally this thing, that you can only become Tameh uh, if you were not Tameh to begin with, Shmami Natarti, and therefore you learn, just like we said earlier, you can learn two things from one Pasuk, in this particular case, from the, right from the other side, then you could say it, that Lehechalo both defines the onset of Tumah, and also um, the idea of a coin, or really a Nazir, who's already Tameh, is not going to be subject to the prohibition of making himself tame. So we see here that there certainly is a, right, that there certainly is um, a parallel between a Nazir becoming tame and a Karim becoming tame. Both of them have the issue of Tumas Mace. So now five lines up from the bottom, the Gemara says Mace We have a Mishnah. The Mishnah says, this is in Oholos, um, my uncle Saul, Azazain Gizunt, he signed up uh, to his re- whatever he, did, he his rebbe whatever the rebbe shul had uh, a siyum so he signed up to learn oholos because he likes camping and he had not let, yet learned oholos so I sent him the art school mission oholos he said I read that oholos from cover to cover man that was not what I expected <laughs> anyway so oholos discussed tumas oil obviously all about tuma and says the mission the sixth mission in oholos adam einu matame elach a person is not going to be uh, right. Is not going to impart tuma until the soul departs. Even if he's fatally wounded, and even if he's right not yet dead, 
uh, but he's but he's at the edge of death. So then he's not going to transmit tumah. When it says vafilu miguyad vafilu gosis, it doesn't mean that even then he transmits tumah. It means that even when he's in a state where he's been like shot a thousand times, and we know that it's over, he's still not going to be metame until his soul departs. That's what that means. And even if he's a gosis, we know it's happening. If it hasn't happened yet, he's not metame anymore. I'm sorry, Dad. This is like a really morbid gemara to be learning on the yard site. But anyway, but no, I'm not sorry. This is a Torah. Uh, this is uh, um, I'm to learn this. Anyway, according to Tanakama, right, who says that you learn from the Hechalo, and again, this is within Reish Lakish. Uh, so within Reish Lakish, Hakatani de This Mishnah seems to say that that person on the throes of death is not is not going to be right. Uh, is not going to be passing over. Uh, is not going to be metame, right? In other words, right, we have a Bryce, a Mishnah in Oholos that says explicitly, not like the Shita. Don't forget, this whole thing started. There's one controversial, uh, there's one controversial opinion. The one controversial opinion is within Rish Lakish, it's possible that the Pasuk of Lehei Chalo, uh, is teaching you that a Gosais would be, uh, imparting Tumah. And yet we have a Viferish, explicit Mishnah in Oholos that says that a Gosais does not, uh, um, does not impart to us. How do you how do you reconcile that? So we say like this: that there is a halacha that even without becoming tame, the coin uh, can't touch tuma. What does it mean? Like this: inyan timui. And when it comes to transmitting tuma and imparting to them to something else, right? It's certainly true, like the Mishnah says in Oholos, that when it comes to transmitting tuma, a ghostess would not transmit tuma. Adinafkanafshe. In order to transmit Tuma, the actual soul would have to depart and a ghost would not impart Tuma. However, when it comes to the Isser of becoming Chalal, the Isser of becoming Tame HaIschil. So certainly, even if you touch a ghost, according to that Shita within Reish Lakish, right, even if you touch a, a ghost, you become Tame. So again, there's two things here, right? The question is, does the actual ghost impart Tuma? And so we'll say, no, a ghost does not impart Tumas Mace. That doesn't mean that a coin can touch it. Right? A coin can still become Tame from it. So if we turn to Mengil of the base, right, we see that, right, uh, we, so we discuss a fascinating application of this issue. So we've already said that a coin is not allowed to touch a mace. Fine. However, we also know, right, that the Torah makes an exception. What's the exception? The Krovim. Well, two exceptions, really. One of them is one of the Zion Krovim, right? That a person is allowed to, a Kohen is allowed to, right, um, touch the corpse of a father, mother, brother, a sister until she gets married, a son, a daughter, or a wife, Rahman al-Atzlan, right? Or another category is the Mace Mitzvah, right? The Mace Mitzvah is the corpse that's lying and doesn't have anybody available to right, to actually bury it. So, let's elaborate on those exceptions. Amar v'chista amar rav. Nikta aviv, ain't This really is morbid. I'm sorry, guys. So, the father's head, now you have a body, Rechman that's not intact. Right? Isis captures somebody, cuts off their head, ain't What's going on? Like this. The coin is allowed to be metame, the Zion Krovim. Yeah, but that's only if they're intact. 
there comes an interplay, Barry, that's fascinating. It's, a, it's, it's morbid, right? But if you find the remains, right? We have Zaka. We have people who, Rahman and are trained in collecting the remains, right? We have the, uh, you know, all, all the tragic events can occur. And so you, th- those things can impart Tuma, right? But what about the remains of one of the Zion Krovim? Can a coin, right, touch those? So again, a coin is not, allowed, not supposed to be Matame himself. But there's an exception, right? Not being supposed to be Matame himself, Tumas Mace. But there's an exception to the Zion Krovim. But the design program have to be intact in order to gen- in order to trigger that exception. That's the question. So Rav Chista quotes in the name of Rav that it does not. That when you have only a partial body, that does not trigger the exception of Zion Krovim. Says Rav Chista, Rav Nikta Rosh Shalaviv Eino Metamalo. So the coin cannot be metamet to that. My taima will be the reason because Amrkar Aviv. Pasuk says right. It lists off the Zion Krovim. And so, Bizman Shehu Shalem. And when it lists the Zion Krovim, it's assumed that it means that the Krovim have to be intact. Right? Velo Bizman Shehu Chaser. Not pieces of the Krovim. It has to be the full Krov in order to trigger the, right, the, the dispensation that allows the coin to touch them. However, Well, what about the following case? Fakta de Aravos is the, right, um, the hood, as we'll call it, right? Terrible neighborhood, right? You're out in the jungle, okay, in Afghanistan. ISIS grabs someone and chops off their head. What are you going to say? That you're not allowed to touch it? It's muktzeh. You know, in other words, right? A father and son are traveling in Afghanistan. ISIS gets the father and their kohanim. ISIS captures the father and chops off his head. Who's going to bury it? Right? Right? So you're going to say that you can't be metamid because it's only a partial, uh, uh, right? It's not, your father's not, in, one's father is not intact in that case. So if Christa answers, I'm a lay, mace mitzvah comrade. When that happens, that's a mace mitzvah. If it's a father's son trip to Afghanistan and the father gets his head chopped off, that's a mace mitzvah. There's nobody else around to bury. That's not a good example. In other words, the question that Ravnino asked was, uh, of course somebody needs to bury it. So if Christa said, yeah, but once there's nobody else to bury it, that's no longer Zion Krovin. That's the second dispensation of Mace Mitzvah. It could be that the two have different thresholds. Maybe, right? In other words, Mace Mitzvah means there's nobody around to bury it. So once there's nobody around to bury it, maybe even if it's a portion, right, or not an intact body, the, even the, the coin would be allowed to then, as opposed to, right, Zion Krovin is where everyone is around, Right to bury it, but there the Torah says that no, the son should be allowed even if it's a coin. Right, so he says meis mitzvah When you have a meis mitzvah, there doesn't have to be any relation. Meis mitzvah is the issue of nobody around to bury it, but then of course we're going to say it's allowed. But it's certainly you know if the meis mitzvah happens to also be one's father when they're on a father son trip to Afghanistan that went wrong. So there, certainly, the father is not just his father, it's a mace mitzvah, and certainly the Kohen would have the obligation to bury his non-intact father. So the Gemara answers, asks, is that really a mace mitzvah? V'hai mace mitzvah? Why is that a mace mitzvah? V'hatanya, we learn in Bryce, a mace mitzvah. How do you define mace mitzvah? Kol she'en lo kovrim. A mace mitzvah is any, any corpse that has nobody else to bury it. Right? So if there's, so however, korv achem oninoso, but if you're in an area 
where the Kohen can call for assistance and get somebody else to bury the Mace Mitzvah. Ain't say Mace Mitzvah. That's not a Mace Mitzvah. A Mace Mitzvah, right, at what point do you pass the threshold where you're a real Mace Mitzvah? It's not when you're the first person to find it. It's when you're the only person around, right, to take care of it. So then certainly a coin would be allowed to, but otherwise the coin should call somebody else to take care of it. And here it says, Va isle bra. Va isle bra, the Gemara says, the Gemara is assuming that the sun is here, right? And the sun is in fact in a position, it's assuming, that it could get somebody else to do it, and therefore it's not considered a mace mitzvah. However, the Gemara answers what we would have said, which is, Yeah. In other words, again, if there's a guy, a corpse, that nobody recognizes, nobody knows who it is, and you walk by, and there's nobody's going to take care of it, so then that's a mace mitzvah. So here they're saying, wait a minute, this is not a mace mitzvah, because the son knows this corpse that's his, his father, and therefore he can take care of it because it's really his responsibility. A mace mitzvah means somebody that's kind of like left for dead in a dumpster, right? Rav um, Machlis uh, was known for this. I don't know where he found these. Well, he had like hobos living in his car. He has hobos living in his car, you know, a whole different kind of life, 50 people at Shabbos meals. And yes, once found a corpse in a dumpster and took it out of the dumpster and made a leviah for it. It was like a mamish and mace mitzvah. Okay, but that's because he is like this unidentified John Doe, right? So, so then there's nobody else who's going to take care of it. But when it's somebody who who's, has relatives there, so then they're going to take care of it. Elamai, says the Gemara, came in the cause of Yuchel, in the cover of Dami. Yeah, but this was a father-son trip in Afghanistan. They're in the middle of nowhere. So that's not, so that is a Mace Mitzvah, because who else is going to bury it? There is nobody around, and therefore it is a Mace Mitzvah, despite the fact that there's a familial connection. And so you're saying this is not a person left for, like a John Doe left for dead, but still it's treated as such because of the fact that they are out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. So now, Again, Rav Chista is saying, uh, just to, to keep, uh, to hold cup here, we're, uh, no pun intended, that you're only metame <laughs> to a full corpse, right? So mesve, is that true? La yitama. The Pasuk says that a Kohen can be metame for, his, let's say, his sister. La hu metame ve'ena metame la'eva reha. Right, you can be metame for her, but not to pieces of her. Lafisha ena metame la'eva mina chayshel aviv. Because, again, a coin cannot become Tame. Can he become Tame his father? Well, only if his father is intact. That the Zion Krovim have to be intact. It sounds like. However, after burying his father, here's where it gets interesting in the Brisa. After you bury the father, you can go back to the place where the father died. And what are we doing? A reinterment. You're going to go for a bone the size of a saora, barley grain, and bring and include that in the burial, right? In in the original area that you buried your father. In other words, there's pieces, uh, and you're going to go collect the pieces of Rahman al-Islan and put it in that one central place. My maxwell at some saora. What does it mean? Wait a minute. Where are you bringing it from? Where are you bringing it to? This piece of the father that, that you collected. Lav la memra de i mechaser porta. Doesn't that mean that even if a father's body was missing a little part of his, right, uh, of his actual body, that you could actually go and be metame to it? In other words, what happened? The coin, the father, Rahman al-Atzlan, was in a terrible accident, and there's pieces of him around. You bury the main, right, corpse, but then you go 
and the coin as part of the burial of his father. Again, he's mutter to be metam al zayin krovim. So as part of burying his father, he's going and collecting pieces of his father. Well, doesn't that imply that not like Rav Chesta? Doesn't it imply that he is even allowed to be metame for unintact portions of his father in order to bring those and bury them all at the same site? Says the Gemara, lo, ahi Rav Yehudahi. Says, you know what? That may be, that brysa may be a challenge to Rav Chesta, but that's because that brysa goes like Rav Yehuda. And Rav Chista does not follow the opinion of Rav Yehuda. That was a machlokas between Rav Yehuda and the Chachamim. So in a chinami, the brysa that says that you can go after pieces of your father implies that you can be matame to non-intact portions of the, of the father. But that brysa is not like the Rabbanan. It's like Rav Yehuda. And Rav Chista goes like the Chachamim who hold that the coin is only allowed to be matame to an intact port, uh, father. And it works that way. Okay. How do we know? The Tanya. There's a brysa where this machlokas is, in fact, spelled out. Rabbi Yudah Omer, Rabbi Yudah says that, again, this is exactly what we just said, that the person, the coin can be mitame to his sister, but not to portions of his sister. That, what? He can't contaminate himself, he cannot even contaminate himself when it comes to, let's say, a severed live body of his father. In other words, is his father alive or is his father dead? Well, you could have a limb uh, in both scenarios, right? So there's a limb of a live father. He can't be matame even from that. Kalvachomer writes, so, uh, certainly, right, uh, I'm sorry, but however, when his father is already dead and then he has the aver, so again, even Rabbi Yehuda would agree that if his father's alive and then they took a limb off, so he, the coin could not be matame to that limb. But once his father is dead, Rabbi Yehuda's shita is that you can collect the limbs and an actual, that were already severed uh, before, right? And then actually, right, incorporate them into the burial of his father's corpse. Once he's already burying his father, he can actually bury all the pieces with. Is this a dafiomi coincidence or uh, this is awful? Okay, Vatanya Rav Kahana Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. But however, then there's the other brysa, where Kahana taught in the name of Elizabeth Yaakov, Kavanaki, right? Elizabeth Yaakov had best notes in Shear. And there it says, La mitame ve'inu mitame le'ivarim. Right? That he can be mitame for his sister, but not for her limbs. Prat lechazais minames. What is this telling you there? That a chazais of a, a chazais of a corpse, or chazais neitzel. Neitzel is like the decomposed flesh, the liquefied ooze, over there, as the rush says, and that's like a ladleful of dust of corpse, right? Uh, tragedies can strike in all kinds of ways, leaving right, portions of corpses. So what it's saying is, it says, that it means that it, you can not become Tame to those more severe right, portions, meaning more severe in the sense that less of the Mace is intact. You have like ashes or you have, right, uh, decomposed stuff or kazais. That you cannot. However, you might have thought that even if you have an intact, right, skull and spine, that that you also would not be able to be tummy. Or the majority of the skeleton or the majority of 
the bones. However, to that, amarta alehem. In other words, it's mashma that there's an interplay here, right? When it says loy tama, it means that you can only become tame. It sounds like you can only become tame to the in, fully intact sister, fully intact corpse. But by the same token, it says ve'amarta lehem, which which right? Ve'yomer Hashem Moshe Emarah Karim Be'Arav ve'amarta lehem lenefesh loy tama be'amav ki'im l'sheiro hakarov ve'lav. That seems to Teach in, to include uh, so In other words, we have right the interplay between two psukim. One la itama sounds like the corpse has to be fully intact, and the other one makes it sound like it doesn't have to be fully intact, but it can only be the portion of it. And so what it comes out is that if it's only according to the second price, if it's only like dust or whatever, so then you can you do not have to. Uh, then to that you can't be matame, but you can be matame to a full right uh, skull and and uh, um, spinal column. As we arrive in Mendal and Madal, and from there we learn just like a sister that would be applied that you can in fact become tame to her right to her. Uh, skeleton and spinal column, that would be true of any mace. And the Brysa, therefore, is against Rav Chista, that a coin has to have a whole mace. And so the Gemara answers, he nami Rabbi Yehuda, he. So that's also, that Brysa is also reflecting of Rabbi Yehuda, Rav Damar, Kiatana, Detanya, Maisish, Mace, Ovish, Rabbi Yitzchak, Begin, Zak. And then tomorrow we'll just resume uh, a few lines down on Memdal Ramadal, just to finish off a practical application of this Machlokas, Rabbi Yehuda, and the Chachamim, with regards to a portion of the corpse, and then we'll resume with the Mishnah, which discusses the very essential basics of the Isser of the Nazir. Everybody have a Freilich and Purim. <laughs>